What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 13, Life Support. Uh, a couple of important things. I am not on the surface of the sun. Uh, this is actually, we're recording in the afternoon, mm -hmm. and this is the exact moment. Like, we have Manhattan Hinge. <laughs> directly through the bushes headed directly into my face here in the basement so uh but that's okay it's gonna get better as the show goes along and uh mike i already know you're, you're in a crunchy mood so we're uh, gonna crunchy. cheer you up he by crunchy. talking about uh, a long sequence of a man dying in front of us listen so listen keith i say this to you officially mm -hmm. uh, all the people on youtube world are my witnesses should it come to pass that i am thrown into a vegetative state and mm -hmm. the only way to keep me going is to replace some or all of my brain uh, is as an android. And I might lose all emotional attachment to my feelings and to the world at large. How would we tell the difference? Well, it doesn't matter. Moot. Yeah. I give you full permission to do the mm -hmm. full brain. I don't need any, I need nothing. I need no just, emotions. Just go ahead and be the robot. Just make me a robot, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, good to know, folks. Uh, you know, I had to sign some papers over. Like, what did I want to do with my surgery? Like, you know, and so, which which went great, by the way, if anybody hasn't, hadn't, uh, hadn't heard, I'm feeling much better. Uh, but yeah, now I had, to, I had to start thinking about, like, who do I want pulling my plug? The, it, these are one of these important questions. Oh, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to come give it a yank if you need me, man. Whatever I you mean, need. You, every time you come to the house, you're just, like, unplugging random stuff. I don't know what's... <laughs> I was like, maybe it'll work. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> if you thought there was electricity going through me, you'd... Sorely mistaken. Well, this is going to it's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm mm -hmm. excited to talk about it. Uh, but before we do, we have to do that thing that we do, and that is thank our patrons, mm. who you can find at patreoncom m Mike, who's patroning the patron patron? Keith, you know, good mood, bad mood, indifferent, in between. We've always got the support emotionally and fiscally of Brian Kimball, Beersock, Wyatt. Welcome to the team, Elridge. Eldridge, Eldridge, Casey, Lois and Clark, Jason, Mo, Moa, Bren, Joshua, Henry, Andrew Hayes. I what can't is do happening? it. I can't do it. Andrew Hayes, Jorge, Navalo, and the Mysterious Wharfs. Big old boo shivs. Richard Coleman, Charles Bibich, CRM Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich, Lobachevsky, at Grim underscore toys. Delusions at noon, and those who send us things in the mail and get a pat on the back for it. JD makes Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, big old Pat. Backwards, that's tap, Keith. Did you know that? And Joshua Cronin, you can join the team, get all kinds of goodies. Patreon.com slash KM, but nothing more important than knowing that this show is solely and wholly produced by you. Yeah, well, and we very much appreciate it. I, I moved moved the uh, curtain down a little bit, but check this out, right? This is just my hands. Cool, huh? Oh, wow. That's cool. I think it's cool. It's Come rad, on. dude. Super rad. I mean, it, it takes a lot of effort to be this white. I am my own light source. I think I have to take CEO Jen out to dinner tonight. She might be mad at me. I think you probably should. Ugh. When in doubt, take take CEO Jen to, to dinner. That's, uh, that's, that's very wise. Well, uh, you want to know who I'd like to take out to dinner. All the folks who give us ratings for last week's episode, which was Past Tense Part 2. Uh, and we've got a, got a lot of opinions on this, some really fascinating thoughts, all of which you can read in the YouTube comments below. Mm -hmm. 
which is where you can put your rating for this episode, which we will read next week. See, it's this whole like time travel thing, it but you thing. definitely it's a whole thing. Uh, want to participate because uh, it's fun for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we finished up the time travel sequence, past tense, part one and two, and the viewer ratings are as such. Joshua Cronin only gives it a 70. Wasn't a fan of the okay. sequence. Jason Moe gives it a 90. Delusions at Noon gives it an 82. Eric Crump, new person I don't think we've we've has okay. given a rating before. Welcome. Uh, gives it a 90. JD gives it a 90. Harry Pothead also gives it a 90. A lot of 90s out there, I think because I, I was a 90 as well. Mm-hmm. Very influential. And Sans Didi comes in with the super tip, which means I read your comment. You can join Sans Didi every week if you care to. Who said... This episode is truly amazing, and I really enjoyed your analysis of it as well, guys. Thanks. I completely agree with Keith that it would be extremely problematic to replace Gabriel Bell with a white guy. Yes, Avery Brooks would not have allowed that to happen. Speaking of Brooks, he's all over the place in this episode, but in the best of ways. His performance is extremely layered and a bit of of a microcosm of his character. Throughout the series, he has to wear many hats. Father, emissary, friend, commanding officer, widower, diplomat, warrior, and has and has this is encapsulated in his multifaceted performance in this episode. That is really true. Every one of those hats that you outlaid there are essential pieces of the character. His empathy and ability to change his tactics or tone based on whom he is dealing with is exactly what makes him the best captain in Star Trek history. Shots fired, come at me, bro. I'm not coming. These two parts don't feel very Star Trek to me, if that makes any sense. I think the other series, especially Next Gen, would have had more scenes on the Defiant or more back on the station. The claustrophobic and depressing settings of the Sanctuary District is an important character to the story. I realize that production costs were largely the reason that didn't happen, but I think TNG would have... Uh, made the choice and focused less on the gritty things this episode did. I agree. Mm -hmm. The hat guy is another microchasm of what DS9 is about, showing that the bad guys aren't all bad and the good guys don't always have the answers. Uh, Yes, I think that's absolutely true. Um, Isn't it Delusions also pointed out the fact that that hat guy, uh, we maybe like uh, redeemed him, uh, soft-pedaled him a little too hard because even I forgot. Oh, right. He murdered Gabriel Bell. <laughs> that like, was Hack oh, Guy he... who did that. Oh yes, he did. Yes. Yeah. He's like, oh, he gave, he gave the the kid a hat at the end. Oh, it's so he's so you know he's like such a nice guy. No, the only reason we're here is because he murdered Gabriel Bell. Uh, but I think both of those things are true. And lastly, Sansdiri says, and something else Next Gen didn't get, and why. Deep Space Nine is superior, in my opinion, since this is a slightly better episode than Part One. Although, in fairness to Part One, this episode is not as strong without the excellent setup that Part One provides. I give this eighty-nine self-sealing stem bolts, and hell yes, they're self-sealing, bucko. It would perhaps be higher if I didn't want to leave room for how many banger episodes the later seasons bring us, but a very solid episode nonetheless. Um. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've I've said this many times before to Mike. Um, as we get through these great episodes, we're still. I I think we've seen two or three of the top 
25 episodes of the series. Okay. And that I, I think almost all of the top 10 are still still to come, which is uh, which is pretty cool. All right. And lastly, we have to hear from Chancellor Jen, who Mike will be taking out to dinner <laughs> tonight, as, as he should, who says, you guys, I did watch and give a rating last week, 98, and I'm sticking with my blind rating of 98.5 for this one. I loved it. Chancellor Jen. Uh fantastic. We're going to have to we're going to have to uh, bump up the ceiling a little bit for Jen. <laughs> Remember um, you have the su- you have the supercharger key that still exists. It, should you choose to use it. We made that lore. With great power comes great supercharging responsibilities. All right. So, uh Mike, what do you say? We start talking about life support. Season 3, episode 13, a consequential episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to some extent. It aired on January 30th, 1995. The top song, I, I can't wait to hear it. And, and you were warming up a little bit before yeah. we were starting. Okay, the top song is Creep, but not that one. It's the TLC Creep. Hmm. But I'm a creep, creepy, 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 creepy. Not, uh, no? I, was, I, that was pretty good. I, I, I see what you were trying to do there, and it was a better attempt than I think I would have pulled off myself. So hats off. Um, sorry, TLC. We will not be taking a, a, a YouTube strike for that. Baril sort of was a creep, creepy, deepy. <laughs> now he's in a deep sleep. All right, I get you got your rhyme for the week. Yeah, there you go. No, Barile was never a creep. No, no, no. He, it just... he just suffered from utter lack of chemistry. With yeah, Kira. him and him and Kira together gave me the creeps. Yes, I'll, I will. I will say that. I will say that. The top movie continued to be Legends of the Fall. Mm. Uh, third week at the top of the. I, yep. I third week I, in a row. I don't know the plot of that movie. Didn't really clock how big of a deal that uh that episode was so uh now it is time to find out what was on tv that night oh keith i can't wait to tell you to be honest i uh, uh, january 30th 95 uh, i a mean big, big doings yeah did you know probably not that uh cops was on tv uh i well yes actually that was a, probably a fair assumption yeah and the nanny of course dave's world which you know keith and i loved sybil still rocking chicago hope was david e kellying uh, but let's let's talk about what the important thing was, Keith. Star Trek Voyager. Yes, was we're also, gonna talk was more on about UPN. It. You know, and it was a big lead-in because do you, Keith? I can't wait to ask you this trivia question because I okay, will great. literally fall out of my chair if you can tell me the answer to this. Okay. So uh, you know, it was Star Trek Voyager, eight p.m. on UPN. It was a big, uh, big old. Sure. Prime well, it's the flagship show of UPN. You know, they launched with but, Voyager. And and do you know what they were like? Well, we need to put a great show after it because we're going to get all those lead-ins, right? Do you know what show came on after Star Trek Voyager on UPN? Okay, couple questions. Uh-huh. Was it a a UPN property that they created themselves? I'm going to have to say yes because I've never heard of this before, uh, and. I can't okay. imagine anyone would have, have approved this. So It's before Buffy. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote with my heart. Mm-hmm. And if anybody gets this reference, like a cookie, go eat a cookie. I'm going to say Acapulco Heat. Whew, that is not right, but 
Also, an amazing guess. It was Platypus Man, uh, which was a UPN original network sitcom based upon the stand-up comedy of Richard Jenny. Uh, okay. I wish I could tell you how long it ran, um, but that's all I got for you. I, I'm assuming not that long. No, no. Uh, couldn't tell you who Richard Jenny was anyway, either. But also, I wanted to tell you that that evening we also had the 22nd annual American Music Awards of 1995, Keith. And here are some of the people who took took home some of the... Uh, or, you know, here are some of the performances. Little Richard did a performance. He mm-hmm. They matched up with the Go-Go's to perform Tutti Frutti. Ooh. Celine Dion gave us a stunning rendition of Power of Love... God, God bless you, Celine. We're with you. Boys to Men gave you On Bended Knee, Keith, which we yes. just we, we talked about. The Crash Test Dummies gave you... I talk about like a guilty pleasure. I love Crash me. Test I, Dummies. I'm right with you. We had I another... saw them live in Rochester. Did you really? Oh, my God. It was, it, was in, it was in college. So this was like 10 years after... No, it wasn't 10. It was like seven or eight years later. Like they had their big hit and they had like completely in... Rochester, New York, at that point, uh, not 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 a particularly great area, uh-huh. and they had this like abandoned sculpture park, modern thing they put in the seventies, and has been like a war zone ever since. And like they broomed out the crack needles, and for whatever reason, they had a crash test dummies concert like under this concrete structure. And like I went there with my college girlfriend, and it was weird, but I was like. Let's do it. That's cool. I drove from from Rochester to Binghamton to see Wesley Willis, who was a uh, very controversial music performance because he was a schizophrenic street musician who made some really crazy tunes. And a lot of people were making fun of him at the time. He was he had kind of got picked up by the Howard Stern show, and a lot of people were poking fun at. But uh, I really enjoy batshit music. Um, you know, like your Tiny Tims and your, things that are just like some avant-garde but more mm-hmm. so when the musicians don't know they're making avant-garde music i don't know it's a whole thing anyway that's that's my reference point we also had uh, madonna and babyface did a mashup of take a bow and then there was other stuff but we also got a performance <laughs> from prince prince was there and anytime prince was there i might have to go youtube it so there you go that's what was on tv here january 30th 1995 1995 all right well uh Speaking of things that were very important in 1995, uh, this was right around the OJ trial. Mm. And uh, luckily, in the weekly World News headline, he's got an out because North Korea is offering OJ asylum. Ooh. There it is, political asylum. So that's a good, good, that's, you know, because it's weekly world news. Uh, I'd be like, I would 100% believe that. That wouldn't. That would not surprise me in the slightest. Wacky North Korean President Kim Jong Il II is obsessed with O.J. Simpson and has officially offered to grant him political asylum if he can escape to the Asian nation! Exclamation point. I mean, there. To, I mean, Kim Jong Un and uh, and uh, uh, what's his what's his nuts? The basketball player. Uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Wow, that was almost. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. That so was like so close. So close. All right, so uh, let us get back into the Star Trek world and announce that uh, Life Support was directed by Reza Badi, who last mm. directed Past Tense Part 1. 
So, uh, but this aired a couple weeks later. So I think they had a they had a. Wait, should we play the off. promo? We we will. Sure. Oh, okay, I didn't know where we were going to put that. Okay. But yeah, but but I don't know what was Voyager doing is in a weird place in the rundown. But you know what? It is where it is, and we're gonna we're gonna roll mm-hmm. with it. So uh, this episode was written with uh, by Ronald D. Moore with a story by Christian Ford and Roger Soffer. Both of them as only Trek. Uh, they pitched the idea, but they went on to write. Speaking of uh, legendary basketball players, Mike, can you think about a, a, a an amazing cinematic achievement starring a a, a a an achievement in basketball that they may have written? Amazing basketball achievement that they may a, have a, a, a basketball player. Mm-hmm. A, a, a a basketball player as good at basketball as they were bad at acting. Mm, okay. Help me out here. Michael uh, Jordan? Very, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Think way think much. Well, think both much taller, but much worse. Much worse actor, much taller. Manute Bowl? No, it was Kazam. Oh, with Shaq. With Shaq, they wrote Kazam. Kazam. Mm, that went well. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do some trivial trivia. What do you say? Yeah. Okay. I don't think the buttons work anymore. So Come on, Mike. To... Cheer up. We're we're having fun. We're doing Deep Space Nine. Oh, I'm having so much fun. We're making that, have, Kaz- Kazam uh, jokes. I've never been. I've never had more fun. Now, Keith, waste your time with what? With trivial trivia. <laughs> oh. We're going to continue our hostage video with some trivia. I'm having the best time. Mike, can you hold up a newspaper to just prove what day it is? <laughs> I got a beard. <laughs> All right, so the story pitch uh, from Ford and Soffer was actually a Frankenstein story with Bashir basically playing the part of Victor Frankenstein. And it didn't originally involve Beryl. Oh, really? Who are they going to kill? Uh, it was well, that's the thing, and perhaps why they did Barile. So uh, when they realized, so when they realized the audience wouldn't care about the Frankenstein guy if they didn't know him, they actually considered killing off O'Brien. Stupid, because they were nervous he was going to leave the show to do films. Oh, well. When he reassured them this was not the case, they switched it to Barile for obvious reasons. Also, Louise Fletcher had a horrible flu while filming this episode, which weirdly, watching it with that knowledge, I'm like, I can totally see that she is crazy. Yeah, she is sick. pretty subdued. She's very subdued, her. and she feels... And, and like, I have questions and thoughts about the, her depiction throughout this whole episode, but I can definitely, like, oh, that is a very sick actor mm. working. Okay. This is Kira's third hairstyle of the series. We Definitely get new the, hairstyle. The shortest of the bobs from not even a bob. It's just not even. It's a not a page boy. It's just hair. Uh, producers, you know, everybody's everyone loves to dunk on Barile, right? Everyone's like, "Aha, we gelled him, and he's gone, and nobody liked him, and he was weird." But you know what? Producers received angry emails, <laughs> very early emails at this point, from a group called themselves the Friends of Vedic Burial with pictures from a memorial service they did <laughs> after Burial died. So uh, I just think the romance is what ruined the character for me and 
Like those early, I think some of those early episodes where he was running for Pope and then we went down to the planet. I thought they were pretty, he was pretty solid there. Yeah, so I, mean, I can the, understand that. I, I think I think the concept of the character that is like the, the progressive cool guy running for Pope, especially as as a antagonist to win, as, as the person we're rooting for and then win comes in, like that all really makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. I think they went wrong with the romance of it all. Um, because that's when I it felt weird and I wasn't on board. All right, so now it is time to talk about what Star Trek Voyager was doing. Guys, guys, Star Trek Voyager is now airing. Deep Space Nine is now no longer the only Star Trek show happening. And by the time this aired, we were actually on the third episode of Voyager. Time and again aired the same night as Life Support, but just as a little treat and to uh, eat up any chance of monetization of this episode, I don't care. Here is the pro- the first promo for the premiere of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, how anticlimactic. Oh, we're just dimming the lights. Yeah. What, what, there you go. It began as a routine mission. There appears to be a massive displacement wave moving toward us. And it would change their destiny. Captain, is something out there? Brace for impact. One crew and one ship's epic journey 70,000 light years away. We're on the other side of the galaxy. Now it's a quest to get back home. Why are you holding us here? See it from the beginning. We have no way back unless you send us. On the premiere of Star Trek Voyager. There it is, folks. The special effects weren't great. No, no, they they weren't. They improved greatly as oh, the series went along. Good, good. Uh, but yes, the yeah caretaker, uh, I, not not one of the better received pilots, um, which un, was which was unfortunate because Voyager is one of those shows where you have to go back and watch it all again to really appreciate. It mm. got way better. Well, that's good. And uh, yeah, I, it actually, you know, all of the non-next gen shows have built a much better reputation in hindsight than they had at the time. Mm. Deep Space Nine being one of them. Um, so anyway, uh, there it is. So, so actually, uh, last night we were watching a show, and my mom was explaining to her what the Deep Space Nine companion was. And she's like, well, I never watched that Deep Space. What do you think about it? I was like, actually, Mom, you should check it out. It's right up your alley. She loves sci-fi and, like, serial stuff she that there's a ton of to watch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you can – this will crunch a lot of time. So go ahead. Deep Space. So I think my mom's in on Deep Space Nine. Will she listen to the podcast, what? Keith? Hard no. Hard no. Oh, my God. I am I am shocked and delighted that Rita is going to join us on the Deep – all right. So – but you have to – Whenever you can, whatever she's watched, we have to we have to get a rating from her. Oh yeah, absolutely. From episode like it'll be a random episode, and and she won't remember she any. She tends of it, to but fall asleep in the middle of stuff, and then rewatch things a million times. So it's it, it's going to be an adventure for sure. Might take her yeah. years. That's fine. It's going to take us years. That's fair. That's fair. So there it is. All right. So the guest stars on Life Support included Philip Anglum as Vedic Barile, R.I.P. Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Lark Voorhees as Leanne, Anne Gillespie as Jabara, and Andrew Prine as Terrell, and of course, Louise Fletcher as Kai Wynn. I think it's time to hop into the screening room. Let's do it. Ba-ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba. 
ba 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 so, we begin our teaser with Jake walking through the promenade when a pretty and seemingly age-appropriate girl comes up to him and not so casually just lets it slip that she's single now. Keith. And, yes? If I told you she asked Jake to go to the Max, would you know what I was talking about? I would have no idea what you mean. She's from uh, Saved by the Bell. About that. Well, yeah. see, you know, say... I, she looks She looks like somebody I should know who that is. Yeah, she's saved by the bell. She's great. I'm, I'm trying to remember her name in that show. We had uh, AC Slater, Jesse, no, Jesse, Kelly. I'm going to look it up. Okay. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not going to do played that. Played by Lark, Lark Voorhees. She's great. So she uh, asks Jake out. Good job, Jake. And he's got a date at the Klingon restaurant. Uh, there you go. I don't know how romantic... I mean, I guess it's like a running gag on Deep Space Nine that the Klingon restaurant is like the most romantic spot. Mm -hmm. You'll need some gach. Then, Odo and security run through the promenade. There's a medical emergency on the Bajoran transport ship. They get there, and smoke comes out, and Kai Wynn emerges with a grievously injured Vedic Barile. Odo does a good job of pretending he's not happy about it when he calls and tells Kira, who has a new haircut. Yes, she does. So in Act 1, Kira, with that new hair, stands in the infirmary nervously. O'Brien explains what happened. Wynne asks if it might have been sabotage. I don't think we ever get an answer. We do not. As to what happened there. That's weird. Why don't we get an answer on that? Well, it seems important because if they were if it was sabotage or if they were attacked, that's like, I mean, it, it would stand to reason. I mean, that's actually kind of a cool plot line. We got these really important talks, negotiations taking place, like a treaty. Maybe they don't want that treaty to be completed. Somebody might attack them. Or if the Cardassians are getting their asses handed to them by Barile and know that Wynn is not as confident, they take out Barile. I don't know. that, that I, It's... Looking back on it, it is really weird that we don't actually ever, ever answer that question. But uh, we don't. So, meanwhile, Bashir is fighting to keep Barile alive, and the surgery is not going well. Uh, but I do like seeing the red surgical outfits we remember from the next generation. So those are the uh, Federation surgical silliness. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know that Picard has a bionic heart? I didn't know that. Yeah, and we have a whole big surgery thing where we where we replace Picard's heart. I mean, so you know what? I like a big swing, and those suits are surely that. <laughs> are you are you asking? Is 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 that just a, a a clever way to ask for that for your birthday? I won't wear it, so don't waste your money. I I will give you ten whole dollars if you uh, wear that outfit. Oof, I gotta think about it. <laughs> I think if if I wore it, I'd be like playing a blood clot in the school in the school play. <laughs> I'm the blood clot. You don't want me here. <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! I can't laugh. Oh, yeah, I just had my own. Surgery. Oh no! Ping, ping, ping! That's Keith Sutures coming out. <laughs> right. Oh, oh goodness gracious! All right. 
So in Cisco's office, Wynne announces that they've been negotiating peace with Cardassia, and Barile has been setting up the big meeting for five months, and they've been working on reparations, ambassadors, and possibly even an apology. That's big. Cisco is shocked that Wynne, of all people, would be the people to, person to do this, and she says, uh, "It's Barile, actually," and she openly admits that she would not have been uh, as helpful in his place. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because like, we know Wynn has already been collaborating with the Cardassians, mm -hmm. but in a corrupt way. Um, but clearly Baral is, is coming at it from, you know, uh, straightforwardly. Um, but it, it's, it, it is interesting to see Wynn's vulnerability here. Um, and it happens throughout the, throughout the entire episode. Like, I'd be curious what you think about, like, why is she so vulnerable and not confident uh, not having Barile be a part of this? This was a huge... This was a huge plot hole, for a wormhole for me. I found a way to, to make it work for myself that I'm not particularly happy with, but I think let's save it for the conversation at the end. Because I think okay. it, it, it weighs yeah. heavily on my feelings as the episode as, as a whole. I, I, I agree. I agree. So let's put a pin in that. Mm -hmm. So uh, Bashir comes out of surgery to give Kira the bad news. Boreal didn't make it. And uh, she decides to keep working um, as opposed to uh, deal with her grief, which is, a, I guess, a way of dealing with the grief. Makes sense to me. So uh, Bashir begins the autopsy, starting with a neural scan, when, uh-oh, his brain starts firing again. His neurons are active. Mm. So Bashir has a crazy plan to revive him with some medical technobabble, and he's going to zap him with a bunch of stuff and make him live. Make him live. They zap him a bunch of times, and Baral wakes up. Uh-oh. Uh, meanwhile, behind the scenes, so the, the thing they put over his head, they, they used two different things to put over his head, and uh, the prop master showed up on the day of filming and realized that they completely reversed which one he was planning for which one. Oh, interesting. But it, it didn't matter. Uh, but it was, uh, he was like, yep, no, that's the opposite of what I planned. So I thought, uh, they, I thought the, the practical effects were pretty cool, or not the effects, the props were cool. The props, look, I mean, look great. One was like a zapper and one was a scanner or whatever. I just got it backwards. Doesn't matter. Look cool. Okay, so in Act 2, Bashir now thinks that Baral's going to make a full recovery. And Cisco and Win are... Bashir is uncharacteristically modest about it. This is Bashir 2.0. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's been a pretty significant turn in Bashir. And now he's not like the obnoxious, uh, annoying guy. So Win says... All right, we got to get back to work immediately. And she wants to invite the Cardassian legate to Deep Space Nine for the final talks with Baral advising. Which is another piece of this, right? So why... It's not like they had set this meeting for eight hours from now. So right. why, what, what would be the problem with... All right, let's give him a few weeks to recover. Then we do it. Because I, I feel like it's an arbitrary ticking clock that Wynn puts in right this very minute. 
I guess because they're on the way there, maybe it was hard to organize it. They don't. I don't. I don't actually recall them explaining why it's such a big deal to do it now. But other I mean, than but, that, they're on their way. But um, but I'm not sure they were on their way. Because yeah, like at least like I, I I could be wrong, and somebody explained it to me. Like, were they coming to Deep Space Nine for these talks, or? I don't think the talks were being held on the ship, right? Weren't they having... Right, it was, was going to be held somewhere else at a later time. And then she's like, oh, we got to do it right this minute. So it's like an okay. arbitrary ticking clock there. I don't quite get it. Anyway, uh, Kira gets a private moment with her zombie boyfriend. They're going to play some spring ball, if you know what I mean. Meanwhile, Jake tells Nog that he's going to have to cancel their Domjot game. Because he's got a date. And Nog's like, great, I get it. Money is... And he says this line in a very creepy and disturbing way. Uh, money is money, but women are better. It's very weird and gross. I, I, that, was, that was not mm-hmm. a great take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nog is thrilled and asks, all right, you've got a date. Who's my date? I'm coming along, and I'm assuming she's going to bring a friend for me. Can't see how that would go wrong. So, in the infirmary, Beryl gives Wynne advice on the negotiations. Bashir enters and tells Beryl, and Beryl can tell that he has bad news. He's got inadequate blood flow to his organs. Uh, they have a pill for that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bashir wants to uh, put him in stasis while he investigates how to solve it. But Beryl says, nope, I gotta make these talks work. Um... Yeah, so, like, obviously, serious enough, like, I don't want you to, like, rest. We're going to put you in stasis. Uh, so, Bashir says... Uh, yeah, I've... because don't forget where we started. We started from dead. We started from dead, yes. You know what I mean? So, then we're, like, yeah. back from dead. Back from dead. And now uh, we're, like, on the track to dead again. On the Yes, on the track to dead again. And if I, if uh, Keith, Bashir... if I was like, Keith, listen, I know mm-hmm. the, a podcast is important. I know it. I know yeah, that the, yeah. the patrons want the content. The internet wants right. the content. There are hundreds of people that need the content. Tens of people are counting on us. But if you do the podcast today, 20% mm-hmm. chance, so 2 out of 10% chance, you're going to yeah. die. Yeah. Your brain's yeah. going to melt down. And you're like, it's, no, I need to do the pod. No. I mean, I mean, do you realize how much money we make on this? Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we make almost 30 cents an episode from, from YouTube ads. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to be there. But, you know, weirdly, though, because I enjoy it so much, I'll be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have think. to think about it. I know. Wait. I don't think about it. Uh, he, I like his cool, like, side brain yamaka contraption. Well, and I was a little unclear from the production standpoint. Are Is that like a like a brain scan yamaka, or, or are we to believe that's his skull that they've exposed? Oh, it has to be the former. Okay. Yeah, that's not his skull. I hope they don't think... I hope. I mean, I, I, I was a little unclear. Okay. I was unclear. Anyway, Bashir says, I have an experimental drug which will allow you to function normally for a couple of days, but there is the risk of priapism. And in 22% of cases, like you said, it's going to kill you. And Bashir, Barail says, gimme. And Bashir, for reasons beyond my understanding, reluctantly agrees. Again, we have this arbitrary ticking clock. I don't, I don't get it. Or... You need to up the stakes to the point of like I get how important the treaty is, right? The no, for sure, I get no. that, but they need to amp it even more, right? Like the, the, the pressure well, I, needs I to be. I have to know why the treaty has to happen right friggin' now. 
as opposed to in a week or in six weeks in a year because we've basically been status quo for the entire time the the show's been on or when they have that sort of partial in a couple scenes and they have that partial negotiation without Burial and Leggett's kind of just frustrated and, and whatever they should have they should use that opportunity to expose why it's happening now like he can even a throwaway line like we're not I'm not free we're not meeting this meeting is now or never he could have you know they yeah some some sort of like it, there should be like a, a power shift like you know like we have, we have an incoming president who's never going to agree to this we have exactly four days before he's inaugurated we got to get this in now something like that the sci-fi version of that which made like oh okay now i see why this has to happen now i mean obviously the stakes of the peace talks very important so like i understand that part of it but anyway uh oh this is the scene yeah this is the scene so in act three legate terrell has arrived on the station and cisco is sitting in to help they argue about bajoran prisoners and detainees and war reparations (coughs) and he offers to pay them back for everything they've destroyed if they return everything of Cardassian origin. Wynn looks somewhat confused and outgunned. He leaves, and she tells Cisco that the Cardassian is up to something, but she doesn't know what, even though it seems fairly obvious. Wynn needs Barile's help. She's feeling overwhelmed. Odd character beat. I don't understand. This is not the Kai Wynn we've met before. We'll talk about it. It was like seven steps ahead of everybody and also like where's her nefarious motive <laughs> you know she's gonna have a, some sort of nefarious motive with this um totally yeah, toothless totally toothless i'm confused i confused yeah. what what we have why have they nerd neutered win they nerfed her well I, I i know why they nerfed win because they needed a reason to kill barile but like it doesn't make sense out of the context of like we need the stakes of the episode Anyway, so we arrive at Jake's date, and Nog is not being helpful. He's wildly misogynistic and tells the women not to talk. He wants to take them to a violent hollow suite. Kind of missing the point there. Then demands that she cuts up his food. Naturally, the girls storm off. Jake is furious, and they both storm off. Uh, I didn't ask him to chew my food, at least. Uh... This storyline, too, right? I get what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's done. Is, it's a very extreme and hackneyed way, which does not seem to match Nog's character at all. Like, culturally, yes, I totally get this is the Ferengi way of thinking, and that is culturally Nog's background. But the Nog that we have known through all of this at least wouldn't be so obtuse as to expect non-Ferengi females to not be offended by it. I think that that's going like a step too far. Right. Like, well, I mean, your your analysis is giving it too much credit. Oh. I mean, like, they don't even pass go here. If the idea is the thesis presented by Ben in his speech to Jake a little bit later, if that is the idea, and that's cool. I think that's great. What a great, great little thing. What a great sure. little moral that you can't expect people to behave based on your set of principles, right? Now, we're going to get into a conversation in our last con- in, in, in our summary where Mike has to ask the question, well, maybe look, I can I'm not all for understanding the variables in different cultures and the way they assess situations and whatnot, but if 
regardless of what the culture someone is from, if somebody behaves in a way that is so antithetical to how you behave and how you expect socially people to behave, well, you would you. It's not unfair to judge your friends based on that. I don't think, but we'll get to that. We'll we'll talk. About well, that. I mean, yeah, it, for sure. I mean, and it is a it is a an utterly relevant thing to do because you know we live in a multicultural environment people of different religions and political beliefs and they all have different uh, attitudes and but my, and my point and, here is that i think it they just miss they miss right if that's the point you're trying to make what ben brings up there's a there's a much easier way to tell the story or a better example right for yeah, example it, like oh they don't eat meat and we eat meat it's a little we can it's a little more well you have to accept that difference and blah 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 when it comes to like just overt sexism well, the, and in misogyny and it's it's all and, and it, it's and, like it's it's playing it for a joke yeah and ben shrugs really, it off he doesn't even not, like yeah it's tough the, it's, they they it needed to be done with a pencil and they used a baseball bat yeah and, it's and push themselves and is it supposed to be like the the quirky b story because <laughs> well they they do talk about that in the companion it's just like yeah, so each of these stories by themselves were like fine, but together they yeah. ooh, that is not a good combination of stories. Yeah. All right, story well, tone wise. Um, but that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. We'll we'll keep talking about it. Yeah. So in the infirmary, Burial says, We've already negotiated the Cardassian property part, and it's a no. He starts struggling, and Wynn demands that he gets more drugs. Finally, a win we recognize. Bashir says Get out of here and stop bothering my patient. And after Wynn leaves, Bashir says, uh, your organs have already been damaged by the drug. I'm going to have to replace them, but it might get worse. It is a much easier replacement of organs in the future. Uh, Baral says, I don't care. Keep me going, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, like... There's no one else in the entire universe. No, he's abrust on all of us. I get it. I totally get that. It's the why now, right? Because clearly, for the way they've set the table, he has all of the foresight and the knowledge. I mean, I guess they could have kept a log or a record or something, and he, she could have access to it on a pad. It seems pretty future-able, like, <laughs> to cross-reference all of this. Or that she'd have a whole group of attaches with her to make sure. Regardless. Yeah. This is at a point where if he's sick and dying... Even even bad win would be like you know what let's pause the talks for a couple weeks till I can get him back firing hundred percent because if he's that vital to these talks don't we want him at a hundred I don't want android you I need Brial right again reinforcing the missed opportunity to make it clear why it has to be right freaking now mm -hmm. but the, see here's another problem I have with it here I can see I always blow my I always get my good it's, stuff out before we get it's to the fine. end it's our it's our own show we can do whatever we want. The, they, they go. It's it, Barile's acting out of character too, because they never explain why. I understand once again why he is interested in securing this treaty for all sure, of Bajor. Of cool, get it. But Bashir's speech to her in this scene seems to imply that he's only doing it against his medical advice and against his own medical well uh, Barile's own medical well-being because he's under some sort of he's under some sort of pressure from her and that he can't come out from underneath her need for him and he's like release him release him from your what did he you say your servitude or something 
And I'm yeah. like, what? They don't ever go on to explain why that is, why he feels that pressure. What? It's weird. And why, like, why is she become so utterly helpless? And like, even in the scenes in previous episodes we've had with Kira and Bryle, they never go on to explain. Oh, me and Wynn have become tight. We're, we're like, we're they, we're, bu- they, we're buzzing they buddies now. It once they did they, mention they did that. Mention it he said that he's allowing her to. She's allowing like, him to be to more of a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, like. It, there's a, there's a lot of false stakes here. Yes. To justify the outcome. It, I mean, they, they they wrote it backwards, right? Mm-hmm. They wrote it at the end and then tried to find a way to get there working backwards. And they just, you know, needed another rewrite. So Bashir goes to update Wynn. Barile's organs have now been replaced and he should be awake in about an hour. But he asks that she leave him alone and tell him he's not needed anymore because she's going to kill him if she keeps going. Wynn is not particularly worried about that. She's got 15 iPads and stuff to do. He tries to appeal to her ego, which I think this is the best part of, best writing in the episode. Uh, if you do this alone, you'll get all the credit. But she counters by obliquely pointing out that if it doesn't work, I'll get all the blame, too. So this is why, from her point of view, Burial needs to be involved. Um, but again... She can certainly blame him if he's dead, especially, you know, like... Yeah, but like, she, you know. but, but also the, the she was a bad bee before, right? Like cutthroat, her and yeah. John... Uh, John Larroquette. John, yeah, no, who was she? Who was the guy who didn't want to be on Star Trek and he didn't want his name on the credits? She was conspiring with... Oh, oh, uh, um, um, from the circle. Yeah, I'm blanking. He's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 yes. I was going to look him up, but he's not credited on purpose. Uh, well, That's... you all know who we're talking about. They had all these plans. You'd think that she could handle a negotiation, right? Like, she could hardball this guy and at least... Franklin Jello. Yeah. In the worst case, walk away from the talks and be like, they're unreasonable and, and take the... It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not... Like this isn't the, Kai the... Wynn. No, the win we've known this whole time mm-hmm. would have six different ways to handle this and not want mm-hmm. Boreal to be making any of the decisions. Now, I do like the subtle point they make by, you know, she can dismiss all of the, let's call them selfish or reasons to uh, care about Wins or uh, Boreal's health here. By hiding behind religion, which I think is a kind of a subtle point, just saying, "Oh well, the prophets deem it right." Anything, right? You, anything you don't want to deal with, complicated wise, you're like, "Ah, oh, well, we're just following the prophets," or you know. So I think that is a cool little point, but it's it's lost in the sea of other things that that are not, well, her 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 being self serving and her you know like nakedly political avarice here that is win. Mm-hmm. It's her helplessness that's not win. Anyway, he calls her a coward. <laughs> And she says, he made his decision. And doctor, I won't forget what you said here. Badass line. And he says, neither will I. Neither will I. Uh, best scene in the episode. 100%. Um, and and I think um, Siddig does a tremendous job. Yeah, in the past, in the... three episodes, I think B- Bashir is now one of my favorite characters. Oh, I mean, it's it's been a complete upgrade. And uh, yeah, he's, I think... Alex Siddig has done a tremendous job turning the battleship that was mm-hmm. this character. Um, and certainly, you know, 
when you go toe to toe with Louise Fletcher, like that's you know, hats off. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when she's sick. So we go to Cisco's quarters, and Ben asks Jake about the date, and he knows that uh, Jake and Nog aren't speaking to each other. Jake was totally embarrassed by his behavior, naturally. They both tear off the tiniest pieces of roll as opposed to eating them because clearly this scene took a lot of takes to shoot. <laughs> oh yes, we're having we're having dinner. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was pretty funny. Cisco says that Nog was just acting like a Ferengi, and you can't blame him for that. And Jake points out that you said Ferengis and humans can't be friends. Ben, to his credit, says I was wrong about that. You should talk this over before this becomes a bigger problem. Um, so the Jake Nog story of this, I really like. It's mm-hmm. very Star Trek. It's very finding finding ways to uh, continue to be friends from different cultures with different thoughts and ideas, and like it's really great. And and to see the change from Cisco, right? His his having changed his mind because you know, in season one he's like, don't be friends with the Ferengi. And he's now on the opposite side. So there's a version of this story that I think is a really good story and a really good episode. Mm -hmm. Um, They just didn't do it this time. So in the infirmary, Beryl is crashing again. Wynn is there. Bashir is pissed. The Vasakin, the, uh, the drug, has damaged his brain. And now it's irreversible. So we had to act five. Bashir, Wynn, Sisko, and Kira meet to discuss the situation. Bashir can replace his organs, but he's afraid to replace parts of his brains with positronic implants, which, uh, if you're keeping track at home, that's what Data's brain is made out of. So this is no longer illegal? <coughs> I thought we, augments were, we were... Didn't we just spend a whole Strange New World episode talking about how augments are uh, illegal? Genetic augments. Oh, right, right, right. This is, not these are all physiological. Okay. These are... These are you know, physically replacing organs and, um, you know, the, yeah, I mean, it's like eugenics versus technological stuff. Um, but I understand why that would be a little bit of a, uh, you know, hard, s- subtle delineation there. Because aren't you, like, going high, aren't you going head first into becoming Borg? Uh, a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit, but, you know, it, he's not connected to the network, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's an offline mode. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, just don't just don't Wi-Fi enable. Uh, but he says, I don't want to do it because the brain is where the spark is, i.e. the soul. Interesting. So Wynn says, Beryl would want a zombie brain. And Kira says, you know what? Actually, he would want it. Mm-hmm. Do it. So uh, they're going to put in part of his brain. Weird choice, from, weird choice from Kira too here, in my opinion. I mean, she's not well, wrong. Uh, she's not wrong, but then the the three sixty beat shift she does to the last scene doesn't make any sense to me in that case. Well, I mean, guess grief it, is the only thing that will that can close that gap for me. It's well, it's it's all based it's all based on the premise they're forcing us to accept without really explaining why of why now why this is so essential right this very moment, and mm-hmm. you know from her standpoint again. She knows Beryl, and and if this is a, the door is closing, you will never get this, you can save Bajor in a way that, you know, will have repercussions for generations. Yeah, Beryl would want to, he would want to sacrifice himself for that. We just, we don't know that the door is closing. So, uh, Jake 
goes up to Odo and asks to be arrested. So Odo arrests him and Jake, uh, and they, uh, Jacob and Nog, and lock them in a holding cell together. Jake's forced them together to get a chance to talk. We head back to the infirmary, which is clever. Okay. I mean, sure. possibly mildly illegal, uh, because I believe that's abducting a child. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's from the heart's in the right place. So, in the infirmary, Barail has the positronic implant, but now he's more robot than person. He's lost all emotion and affect. When you touch me, it doesn't feem, seem real. It feels like the distant memory of a touch. That's never you, you never want to hear that on a uh, on a date. If you if you hear that, it's probably you know. No, oh, that was a, a, gonna... it's weird. Jen put it in her vowels. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, <laughs> our next show, Keith and Mike buy a house together. <laughs> Murder Shack on Main Street. <laughs> Murder Shack. <laughs> Murder Shack buddies. Keith and Mike renovate this shack. Who gets Top Punk? The newest <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like the first episode, we're like drawing the masking tape to the center of the house. You can only have the left and the right. You said you were getting Chinese food today. <laughs> We've had that yeah, conversation. We have. we have. You forget we have lived together. Uh-huh. Oh my God, yes. Never forget. Never forget. Uh, anyway, so we head back to the holding cell, and Nog can tell it's a setup. Jake admits it and says he's sorry. He forgot that Nog was a Ferengi and forgot they have such large cultural differences. Nog explains that traditional Ferengi females chew their men's food, and they are both disgusted by each other's customs. But Jake says, I, don't wanna, I still don't want to lose you as a friend. They agree not to have any more double dates, and they'll deal with the cultural differences as they come up. They're good, but of course comedically still trapped in the holding cell. I mean, honestly, if the thing that they had had conflict over were a little less Was literally anything else. If it just weren't so ridiculous, Mm -hmm. this is a scene, right? This, like, you know... uh, Certainly in my life, I have friends and, you know, friends and neighbors and people I've come across. I'm like, ooh, you and I profoundly disagree on that. And, you know, whether it's a religious difference or a cultural difference or a political difference, but I can still be friends with that person. Like, oh, yep, yep, you and I, ooh, we are not aligned on that, but we can I agree totally on these things. I totally get that, but there are consequences to specific actions, right? So let's, you know, just to, to drag this out a little bit. Let's say we, you know, we, you and said friend had religious differences or whatever, and they treated their women a certain very sure. uh, subservient, subservient way or whatnot, yeah. which is also their prerogative, right? Maybe not prerogative. Maybe that's the wrong phrasing, but it's, that's not your place to, well, you could argue well, that it, it is, but it's, regardless. It, it's murky. It's If you go to a dinner, right? Right. And they start to treat your girlfriend, your wife, your partner. That's very different. In a certain way that is not aligned with the way you behave culturally. You have every right to be pissed. And it would be a much harder way to, a much harder reconciliation. And a couple of apologies would be, uh, would probably be owed. That would make the cut. uh, For for sure. And I, I think the message here is not that they have to be okay with it. Like, I have to, like, oh, well, the, you know what? Second thought, that was reasonable, and that was okay behavior, and you don't 
deserve an apology. It's just an agreement to keep working on it together. Yeah. And to, to try to navigate it as best you I can. I know, but then it, but it was played for as like a joke scene. I, although I, I want to commend both of the young women, the young actresses in that scene. I thought that they they fought against the comedic nature of the scene. Yeah, no, they, they played it straight. And I thought that that, was, that helped make it less like yes. vomit on myself. Yes, yes, for sure. So uh, Cisco does a station log. Also... This Ferengi is awesome. Oh yeah! weren't we talking like a week ago or something about like we need we need characters of all shapes and sizes? Like this Ferengi is like a short, like older Ferengi. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm finally represented on this? Keith, you got your scene. It's a, get your height and my BMI <laughs> and both of our oldnesses. And, and a hell uh, of a suit working right at Emerald City. <laughs> One well, that's a day. horse of a different color. Emerald City. One short, short day. One short day. All right. So, uh, Cisco does the station log. The peace treaty has been signed. It worked, and everybody is celebrating. A Ferengi hands out Romulan ale, uh, which is pretty hilarious because uh, it's a running joke that it is illegal, and yet everyone is always drinking it everywhere. Oh, that is funny. Uh, Dax comes up to Bashir and says. Hey, cheer up. You helped make this happen. Quark brings a giant bowl of brown goop. He's named it Kai Win. It looks sufficiently disgusting. Uh, hilarious. This is a very funny scene. Oh, I mean, and it is it is such a uh, sophisticated joke. <laughs> like, yeah. I made this. It's an honor. I named this bowl of poop after you, and everybody wants it. Everybody loves it. And you want it, somebody it, it, like, holds it up to her? Yeah, and it's made of, like, chocolate and some sort of a slug goo. Uh-huh. It's fantastic. Uh, Bashir gets a call. There's a medical emergency. The other half of Baral's brain, of course, is failing. Kira is there and asks that it be replaced, too. But Bashir says, I won't nah. do it. Kai Wynn says, let him go, let him go. Uh, she's both right and gross in her motivations. And this is where, like, oh, there's the Kai Win we know. Welcome back. Uh, poor Kira begs for his life, but Bashir won't do it. If I replace the rest of his brain with the machine, he won't be him anymore. He'll just be a machine. Let him go. Um, which I think is is right and heartbreaking and real. But also, this is the same universe as Data. Like, I'm a machine, but I'm a person. Maybe there's a like a worthy life form there that is working through that. Well, that's how data was know. to start with. This is not, it's that's this is like taking right, it a wasn't person and like upgrading them to a data. Yes. Yes. Um but it's a tough call because, you know, Boral's not conscious to make the decision for himself. That's true, but he also we also met half if that was half, if that was zo- half zombie Boral, what's full zombie Boral? And if it was only yeah. the memory of a distant touch, maybe there's no touch at all. I mean, uh, no touch, no Kira's touching. Yeah. Losing her boyfriend one way or the other. Yeah, now we're back to my life. Uh, but if you, I, I feel like they also probably could have at some point through the process asked Boral what he would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you know the the treaty's good. If this fails, do you want be to be a full robot? But I guess not. So Kira asks how much time. He says three hours. And she talks to him and kisses him goodbye. 
while easily winning her Oopsie Award. Totally, yeah. Um, and in this pretty not great episode, damn it, by the end, they did finally get me because of Nana's performance. Totally. It's, it's, it's a very beautiful scene. It's a, it's a tremendous... <laughs> so Jay Simpson. Oh, you had it in the wrong folder, didn't you? I, I put it in the regular folder. You must have put it in the screens folder. Oh, maybe that is what I did. Okay. Well, there he is. <laughs> so from that heartbreaking, Emmy-worthy performance from Nana Visitor, we'll finish with OJ in North Korea. Uh, yeah. All right. So much to talk about. Uh, we're going to skip the vocab quiz because I'm not sure. I don't know if it's fun anymore. But you know what is fun? It's time to come along home. Mike, are you preparing for your dance call of the Alamoremi's theme? Alamoremi, count to four. Something count like to four. <laughs> <laughs> then one more. Ooh. Yeah, great. Uh, uh, folks, uh, wow. send us your Alamoremi dances. We'll show them on the show. Doof. Okay, so let's talk about wormholes in the plot. We've identified a lot, but just to just to recap, mm-hmm. the utter lack of stakes, I think, of as to why the ticking clock is is what is causing the ticking clock. Why must they complete this treaty negotiation right now within the next? Because he said he wanted him in stasis for like a couple weeks. Well, so, but but pretend he didn't know what the solution was going to be so potentially it could have been stasis for a long time right but so there's still that could have been a couple weeks also you know keith calls it hopelessness but i'm i just remember once hey kai win becomes kai wouldn't she have been briefed on all the negotiations wouldn't she have been a part of them why is she so un under educated on what's going on I mean, she's the lead negotiator, the whole thing. I, I think that, like, Burial's been doing... Because, you know, like, uh, these big-time negotiations are usually 90% done by the underlings, and then the big kids come in at the end. To, also, to are we to be, are we, are we to take from this that Kai Wynn has now become less of a villain? I, she They really set her up to be a villain. If I'm not mistaken, there was, well, like, an assassination did, like, plot. Well, get killed. It was, like, an assassination plot in, in, when they were running against each other. She tried to other. take over the government by collaborating yeah, with the Cardassians knowingly. There's a lot of stuff. So I feel like she's just... It's not just the flu, man. She They, they wrote her very weak and helpless in this, and it seems like she'd have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D and all kinds of un- underhanded things if she wasn't, if the if the talks didn't go the way they meant. You know, maybe it was a redemption arc for her, but if that's the case then they they make a lot of morally questionable calls medically for Burial along the way. No, because to- I, I, I don't think it's a redemption arc because, like, she basically kills Burial. Right, and then she'll make sure that he gets the... So, anyway, that's that's our biggest wormhole. And then and, and her character retcon slash or just behavior is 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 a i also think everyone being so quick to i mean it's implied the stakes are implied because everybody's so quick to just make his judgment for him but uh then the jake and nog thing i i feel like there's a wormhole there in that there's a disconnect between i think what the thesis of the plot is supposed to be versus the the choice of 
specific cultural difference they chose to focus on. Uh, and I guess those are my two main pain, pain points in Wormholes, Keith. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's it. I mean, I think it just working backwards that, you know, the, the Jake Nog thing, I don't even mind it being about the Ferengi's misogyny. Right, like that's that, that's very clear. It's very defined. It's a cultural difference that has um, that would come up like this. It's just sort of handled in such a it, for both Win and for Nog. They treated they wrote these characters like somebody who had read a paragraph about what the character is, but really hadn't seen any of the other episodes mm-hmm. and really didn't understand these characters. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jack Nog, it's just good idea executed sort of ham-fistedly. Um, you know, the the win thing is fascinating because I think she's, her character is so layered and her, you know, her, her different uh, abilities to manipulate is very layered. She has a lot of tools in her tool chest to get her way. Cats. <laughs> and and cause trouble. So, all right. So, if you wanted to write a story where she, her tool of manipulation here, was because she was afraid of this going wrong, she wanted to lay the blame at Baral's feet. She wanted to protect herself. And that okay. So, if the if her tool was oh, let me pretend that I'm weaker and more confused and more reliant on him than I am. So that I can, like, oh, it's his fault. I didn't do it. Okay. But I don't think that's what they wrote. Because I think what they wrote there was her lack of confidence and her sort of feeling helpless and reliant on him seemed like that was being played straight. Like she was actually feeling that. Um, And that I don't understand. Or what if she's off screen or, like, on on a display... And he's there for the talks, and every time they beam in to talk to her, she's like, "This has to get done now." This, you know, that it having her there showed a weakness that was, like you said, antithetical to the the character, and it just didn't work. It just doesn't work for me, for us. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about best moments. Yeah, um, you. I mean, I think we both agree. It's the. I think the whole, the whole performance really of. Dr. Bashir in this episode, specifically that scene between him and Wynn. Yeah. But for the sake of different, I'll let you t- expound on that. But I think I'll go with, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't really love the scenes with Brile and Kira together. But when you just make him be dead and <laughs> have her act above him, on top of him, it's much more effective. Ouch. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, you want to take that dagger out of his back? He's already dead, buddy. See, the the chemistry was much more palpable in that scene because she's she was she was emoting it, and then she goes back. She's like, I remember when I first saw you. I wish we could have seen the romance she begins to describe. Because to be to be frank, Keith, a lot of the scenes of the way a lot of the way they showed us their romance was them hooking up. It was just a lot of hooking up and a lot less of. You know what? That's, I think that's a really good point because their romance basically was just they were super horny. They were horny and, and they had like, only had stolen moments together, like when she, yeah, the, he would and, come to visit and like, her. And, and great. And 
absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever, especially for two very busy people and they're they're horny and they want to get it on. Okay, great. But you're right. They showed that part of the story. They didn't really show a love story. Right. They they showed like a couple of powerful busy people. But in a pan out shot with Kira knowing she has three hours and she said, I remember the first time I saw you and she's kissing. I got a lot. I got the empathy and the and the the full flavor of how she felt about him. And yeah, especially with the music swelling and he's dead and saying a goodbye. Of course, it gets you. It would have got us even more had we seen a little bit of that prior. So I want to commend on And of course, it's not a judgment on his performance, but uh, more so the their whole chemistry or lack thereof. So it's a shame that the last time we got to see them, no, I guess they do it throughout this episode. The last episode they were really together was that wacky one where. Right, where he was he was in love with Dax. So anyway, I'll I'll, I'll shout out Nana again, and I'll let you talk for a second about about that Bashir scene and Alexander Siddiq. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, Nana elevated this episode by like ten points in the last ten seconds of it um, because she's just that good. So, uh, so hats off. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of like from the writing standpoint and the 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 only, kind of the only tension of the episode was the Bashir win scene. Um, and I think um, you know, Alex, I mentioned it before, Alex said he did a fantastic job going opposite Louise Fletcher there. Um, it was a great moment for his character, and it was um, it, and it was also important. For Wynn, could you imagine how neutered Wynn would have been if she hadn't had that scene? Mm-hmm. Right, it would have been it would have been much much worse. Um, so I thought it was like that. This couple couplets of dialogue there that I thought were really well written and like got to more of the point that I think they were trying to reinforce in mm-hmm. terms of what her motivations were. They just needed like two more scenes to actually explain what the heck was going on there, but. The, what little of it we got in that scene was a really good scene. So now that's uh, those are the two best moments for me. I think it's time to hand out some stem bolts. You get some stem bolts. Hell yeah. How many stem bolts are you going to scrape up for this here episode, Life Support? You know, there are some redeeming qualities of this episode, uh, and not the least of which, plot-wise, is we have a, 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 a pretty big political breakthrough between, to kind of put a little closure on the Bajoran occupation by the Cardassians. I think that whatever they agreed to some things, and there are some... Maybe not a ton of accountability, but they they got there's some wins there. So we get that. That's great. Now, as for the two plot points, it, it definitely makes a lot more sense now that you say it was like a fill in the blank. We want to do this Frankenstein episode, and we're gonna kill off somebody, and then we, once we need to have somebody people are gonna care about. So. You know, I, I I mentioned in this in the watch along right at top when when they they killed Brile off car- camera, I was like, that's a, sh- a crappy way to write a character off. And then once they brought him back, I was like, oh, now they're gonna give him a nice send off. Yeah. And look, what a hero's exit to to write the to be a part of the treaty that ex- he, yada, he sacrificed yada, yada. his life for the for the peace. It's for the just treaty. a shame that like the sacrifice feels rushed and feels we, we potentially don't know why. unnecessary. Right. 
uh, that's, and maybe we missed something. It seems weird that we both missed it, but, and you've watched it like numerous times at this numerous point. Numerous times. Yeah, so yeah. I don't feel that that's the case, but it's truly just feels a little lazy. You know, they, they, they're they really smart at writing, having great actors doing great scenes at, different, at really key points to gloss over that. But the truth is, is even in the B story, a great point to make. Ben makes it very succinctly at the dinner scene, but, and I like that they stay friends, but this, the Nog and Jake stuff I really like is when there's a weakness between one of them, and then they be, they use their friendship to kind of right the wrong. So when Nog couldn't read, Jake's hide or Jake hides away. They find a place where they can tutor him. When you know the, the the parents don't want them to be friends, they find a way to come together to show that it's a good thing that they are friends. Here, even in the even once the they they the the prank to imprison them together happens, there's no. Here's how we can resolve the, the mess we made. Let's apologize to the girls. Let's do this. Like nothing. Yeah. We don't fix it. We just say, hey, you know what? This is this is friendship. Sometimes we're going to agree to disagree. Which, Which I'm going to agree to disagree in our friendship. I, I like the message of I don't know. Sometimes it's hard. Is actually like I agree I think with a you. Valuable. I agree lesson. with you, but I, I just don't think picking something that I think we can ostens- ostensibly say is a terrible part of look. I. I we still do business politically with China. We, you know, but there are human atrocities taking place. We choose right. to shrug our shoulders and say, "Well, you know, that's that's how they're doing things," and um, we don't we, we don't we don't agree. But but we I don't really like your Saudi money, but says I the wrestlers. I don't necessarily think that that is like the point I would make. I, the 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 example I would use for a hey let's all be buddies and we're gonna have to just agree with or we're gonna have to accept people's differences in order to be I, I just it's not a it's not a good example no I I, well, I think that's a really good point because there is there's a continuum right where it starts off by like accepting the differences is the morally upstanding thing to do like morally upstanding tolerant of differences accepting of 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 differences i guess and then somewhere along the line um yes no what they're doing is so bad it is not morally upstanding to stand aside and still be friends with the clansmen or whatever it is like right and so you know we're, we're somewhere along that span is where you have to turn and say like no you know i, I want to be tolerant i want to be respectful i want to em- embrace diversity of ideas and behaviors but at some point it does click over and mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to explore there so that's my that's that's my problem it's it's not in the message it's in the example they chose to make the point it was i think was it neutered it slightly. it was too extreme yeah it was too extreme but but th- which is funny to even be discussing it because it's clearly just like a it was supposed to be like a funny aside that was taking place. Right. So right. it's it really isn't supposed to be that deep, and yet you made it that deep. Uh, I'm sorry. Have we met? Yeah. No, I don't mean you. I mean the episode. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny. Aside from Kira's actual performance of Kira and and Bashir, and like. Even Ben's response to Jake there, where he's just like, eh, it's casual. He just kind of tosses it off, which does show growth on his part, but once again, it's just all muddied. That's my problem with the episode. I just, Kira got me because 
because of Nana. But right. I didn't give two shits. When he did kill him in the first five seconds, I was like, all right, <laughs> good. We don't have to look at that anymore. <laughs> but they lose a little bit of the cool stuff I liked about the Bajoran Kai situation, which was the weird political backstabbing coup, all yeah, that kind of like, cool stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, with the masks and the like, the big halls and the... <laughs> Uh, but that seems to be done now. I don't know. Is Kai Win out? Is she back, still in? What's happening? Anyway, uh, I couldn't be more meh. It's like the mehest of meh feelings I have. Doesn't mean it was bad, but it's got to be a number. And if it was about the Frankenstein thing, I feel like we didn't spend enough time on it. It wasn't about that. It was more about the the negotiations and the ticking clock, the abstract ticking clock, instead of the like, oh, is he more man than cyborg? Which I think was supposed to be the point, too, but we kind of got muddy. Anyway, Keith, meh! 68. 68. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to keep dunking on this episode because um, I, I agree with all of those all of those things. Um, just a couple a couple of, like, little observations yeah. about it. Pip and um, pop, baby. I'm gonna pip and pop. One thing that is a little bit of a breadcrumb here that gets dropped that um i think is is sort of interesting to to highlight is wins realizing the cardassians are up to something mm-hmm. in this negotiation that that got dropped and then dropped you know they dropped yeah. the breadcrumb then dropped the story there um and uh, and Burrell dismissed it but it'll be interesting to see whether that grows into anything mm-hmm. um so i think that's i think that part of it is interesting um yeah, I mean I mean I think you're I think you're right about killing off Barile. I think I think fine. I think I feel sort of like okay, sure, whatever. Um probably it's probably for the best <laughs> in the show from a from a storytelling standpoint opens up some avenues and closes some other doors of stuff that we weren't that interested in. Um but the uh, the neutering of Win is is I think the most problematic part of this of this episode um, that just didn't feel right to me, um, and uh, it, 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 but you're right, Nana visitor grieving a tennis ball, yeah, would make you feel something <laughs> because she's that good, and so um, it really is 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 something something to be said. So um, I think you're right. There there are some thematic things. I don't hate what they tried to do in this episode, right? Negotiations, some sort of a medical emergency where he has to sacrifice himself to make this negotiation happen. When trying to figure out how to manipulate him, you know, how can she set up a fall guy for the negotiations if it doesn't go well and take the credit? If it does go well, sure, great. Cardassian's up to stuff, great. The idea of um, you know the cultural difference and stuff. How do, how do you be friends with somebody who is so culturally different? Great, interesting, love it. Uh, but uh, none of it is executed that well. You um, also they also neutered themselves a little bit by uh, what I expected to happen. I forgot to mention this. There's always been really furtive and great tension, combustible tension between Kira and Kai Win. And trust one another. So here's yeah. a perfect situation to set the chess pieces of Kai Wen keeps pushing to to alter Burial to get what she wants, and and Kira's fighting on his behalf against it. And oh, hundred percent, Bajor, yes. and you know, like, but, it, but we don't it get is none such of it. A She's missed like, opportunity. Yeah, okay, do it. Yeah, 
such a missed opportunity to not end this with like Kara, like you killed my boyfriend, yeah, and you didn't need to, or something like that. Well, she took her side the whole time. Every time, every time, yeah. Bashir offered a, a counterpoint or a, a, a clearly Kira got the memo of what the ticking clock was. Yes, Just, correct. It, the rest of us didn't. All right, so that ends up to me. You know, I I, I didn't love it. I give it a sixty-five self-sealing stem bolts, folks. Did you agree? Did you disagree? Uh, how many stem bolts do you give it? I I'm super curious what mm, people yeah, think about too. this episode. Uh, so definitely give us a uh, a rating. Any of your thoughts and observations also very welcome. If you want us to read it on the air, give us one of them super tips. Mm -hmm. We'll be delighted to do so. Uh, You can find all of our social medias here on the screen. You can find us at patreon.com slash KNM. Check out other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys, KNM Geekly, and Strange New Show. Keith and Mike watch Strange New Worlds. Next week, we will be back here with uh, an episode I really enjoy, Heart of Stone. Should be uh, autobiographical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, in great character work in this next episode. Gonna be fun. All right. So we will see you back here next week. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KNM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KNM.